Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Yeah, thank you for joining us today here on AOA as we broadcast live from the Cattle Industry Convention at NCBA Trade Show in Orlando, Florida. Once again here for today's program, we are with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association set up in the U.S. Meat Export Federation booth here today on the trade show floor. We're going to have a uh, great conversation Throughout today's program, we're going to be joined by some of our friends from the National Corn Growers Association, Denny Vinacotter, Troy Schneider. We're going to talk to Matt Frostick here in just a second. Also, we're going to be joined by Randy Spronk from the U.S. Meat Export Federation here on today's program as well. We have a lot of conversations surrounding the partnership between NCGA and USMEF, cattle, corn, you know what we're going to be talking about here today. Looking forward to a great discussion on the program. Enjoying our time here at Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in Orlando. Let's jump into the conversation. Joining us now with the National Corn Growers Association, Matt Frostick is with us from Michigan. Matt, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you for the uh, opportunity to be on. Definitely. Well, and um, you know, we've had a chance to catch up the last couple of days. Uh, we had a learning lounge session on Thursday on the trade show floor. Got to talk about a lot of these things, but now we want to bring it to our, our broader audience uh, here on AOA. And let's just start a little bit of an introduction to NCGA, USMEF. Explain how the two kind of work together a little bit. Can you talk about that, Matt? Yeah, so the NCGA is National Corn Growers Association, and, and uh, uh, one of our most important co customers is is the, the cattle industry. Um, you know, we we they consume about half of our corn, whole kernel corn, but it's not just that; it's the the byproducts from the dry distillers grains that they they use in their diets too, that are so important for our ethanol industry too. Definitely, definitely. Well, and you think about that relationship, that partnership between. The corn industry and the cattle industry, you know, why build that partnership? Talk about that a little bit. You know, some folks may say, oh, well, you know, they're separate, but really they're interconnected, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we, we are separate, you know, on maybe five or 10% of our issues, but for the most part, we, we can't live without each other. I mean, we know in the corn industry that, you know, we, we're about grinding corn, whether it's through cattle or ethanol, but it, but we can't survive even even that ethanol market cannot survive without that cattle industry to uh, to use those byproducts. So it's a balance of of bringing those industries together and and working together. And we know that if we don't if one falters or, or fails, we're we're all failing. So we've mm -hmm. we've got to work together and bring ourselves you know everyone up together as as one. Well, and two thinking about you know corn exports being a top priority, but you know some of those feedstocks for the cattle industry you kind of mentioned you know ddgs things of that nature i mean there's a lot of opportunity here to grow this partnership isn't there matt yeah and and we look at you know working with ncba and ncba with uh, one of the ideas we look at is that kernel of corn you know goes into goes into cattle makes a meat product and and it is traded you know, to an Asian market, mm -hmm. it's far better for us to, to do it that route than, than to, to send a bushel over there because hey, we're, we're producing jobs. We're, 
you know, we're adding value to that product and it's much easier to ship that product over than, than a bushel. So that's, that's another component that works. And um, certainly, you know, in my area, we, we've got a cattle have to walk, you know, that corn has to walk off the farm uh, yeah. from where we're at. So that's, a, that's very important. And talk about that a little bit, because you're from Michigan, you know, and thinking about some of the trade flows we have here out of the U.S. and the opportunities and, and market diversification. It's it's a little different in different parts of the country, those trade flows and how corn gets to certain places and how corn's used, right? Yeah, yes, definitely. We, you know, in Michigan, we're kind of cut up in, into our own area. And, and there is some trade access, you know, through Canada and, and the such. But, you know... Again, uh, and, and there is an ethanol market in, in Michigan that, mm -hmm. you know, um, that we have corn grind. But um, again, we've we've got a, that that livestock industry is so important to us um, because we can we can, you know, grind that corn locally, you know, feed it, make a better, you know, make that value added product and then and then ship across to, to whatever whatever market at access we have, you know, the foreign market access we have. Well, and I think this all kind of comes back to the sustainability conversation yeah. too that's something we talked about in our learning lounge on thursday uh, just how you know we think about sustainability it has a couple different definitions yes and, and there's a there is a you know a definition for how corn and the meat industry can kind of work together on what sustainability means there right Matt? oh oh yeah so so you look at you know northern parts like in michigan it, it's tough to dry a bushel of corn down in the field so uh, one of the important components there is we we can feed that that product wet, mm -hmm. and and when you don't have to use energy to dry something, that makes you more sustainable. You know, you're using less energy to get to that final product, and and that's certainly important in our area to to be able to do that, to to be able to have that access, to be able to add value to that kernel and 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 put it into a into a meat product. Well, and in terms again of kind of that partnership between the National Corn Growers Association and the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I know we're going to learn more about that as we go throughout the show, and we're going to get perspective from uh, Randy Spronk, the chair of USMEF. But again, it kind of comes back to working together can accomplish many more things. Yes. Right, Matt? Yes. Um, we, you know, we fund USMEF. Uh, they get outside dollars to work with on, on top of that, and that leverage is so important to us. Um, because trade is, trade is a boots on the ground, face to face relationship. I, mm -hmm. I kind of equate it to, you know, when you work with your neighbor for 10 years, uh, you know, back and forth and then someone else comes along and, and you don't have that trust with them. And the only way you build that trust is if you have experiences together and it's no different with, with working with foreign countries, you've got to have relationships in, in, um, that, experience in the past that that helps facilitate more trade so mm -hmm. to send an email over to a country and say hey we want to we want to sell you a kernel of corn or a, or a steak it just doesn't work you've got to be over there boots on the ground making those conversations happen real quick before we wrap up this segment i should ask you uh harvest this year in michigan you're part of the uh the eastern corn belt how did things end up yeah, for you matt so we were we were kind of an anomaly we were very wet uh we had a lot of struggles with the uh, moisture uh you know disease issues in the corn crop um but we made it through it everything was late developing um mm -hmm. but we were blessed with a, a late fall you know even with the weather in december to be able to finish up so 
it all turned out well, but there were some quite nervous <laughs> times in <laughs> September, October, trying to make sure, hoping that the crap would mature out and, yeah. and uh, be able to get it off. So, but it did work. Good so, deal. Tar spot a big issue for you guys? Yes, it's uh, something we deal with. Um, you know, uh, we we were actually Michigan was the founder of it. I'm, we're not no. proud of that fact. But, no. <laughs> but yeah, it is in the area. We 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 tend to manage it. We seem to be managing it well. Um, but every year we've had it to mm -hmm. some degree. Uh, it's more of a standability issue at this point if you manage it rather than a yield reduction. So well, we won't hold it against you, Michigan, <laughs> that is, for introducing Tar Spot. Matt Frostick with the National Core Growers Association. Thanks for joining us here on AOA today. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Coming up next, we'll talk with Troy Schneider from the NCGA as we broadcast live from the Cattle Industry Convention here in Orlando, Florida. Back with more on AOA right after the break. Heading to NCBA's Cattle Convention on Friday, February 2nd. Stop by USMEF booth 1807 with me, Jesse Allen. We'll be broadcasting AOA live with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association and the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stop by from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern to learn how these organizations work together to competitively position American product as the sustainable, high-quality, premier product of choice. And don't forget to join NCGA on Thursday at 2.30 for their Learning Lounge. We'll see you in Orlando. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. A promise is potent, born of intention, fueled by commitment. It's seeing things through, always showing up. And we know a thing or two about promises here at Susan G. Komen. Over 40 years ago, we locked arms with you toward one vision, a world without breast cancer. By investing in life-saving research and standing up for patient rights, we are shifting the system so all people everywhere get the care they deserve. Because if you've just been diagnosed and don't know where to turn, we've got you. If you can't afford the treatment you need, we've got you. And if you are driven to raise money to honor the best friend you've just lost, we have a place for you here because of you. We're supporting those who need help today while tirelessly searching for tomorrow's cures. Ending breast cancer needs all of us. 
Visit Komen.org and be a part of the Susan G. Komen community today. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, broadcasting live at the Cattle Industry Convention in Orlando, Florida, with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association and the U.S. Meat Export Federation. We're set up in the USMEF booth on the trade show floor. 1807 is where they are located here for the trade show, if you are happen to be checking things out here throughout the convention. Right now, we're talking Troy Schneider from the NCGA. Troy, it's good to see you again, sir. Hope you're doing well. It's always good to be with you, Jesse. Thank you for having us, and uh, thank you for USMEF for allowing us to use their, so generously letting us use their booth here. Yeah, I am very thankful for that. It's always fun to set up on the trade show floor and kind of get the atmosphere of everyone walking around and, and uh, checking out all the different products and having conversations, right? There's always a lot to talk about here at cattle con and something i want to talk to you about we we've kind of had this discussion before a little bit um talking about the value of red meat exports to u.s corn you know first segment we were talking about that partnership between ncga and the u.s meat export federation and how important it is and how it's growing and evolving talk to me about that value what do red meat exports mean to the u.s corn industry troy well uh, I'm going to take it back home a little bit, back to Colorado and red meat exports in the state of Colorado. Our number one export is of all forms is beef. Okay. So my corn doesn't float down the the Illinois or the Mississippi River. It walks across the border up to Canada and down to Mexico in the form of beef and pork exports. So, you know, um, you, you, you boil it down, Jesse, and you look at it and it's what does it do? What does it do? So mm -hmm. back there in Colorado, in a study back in 2022 that USMEF put together, beef and pork exports alone to my home state contributed $29 million and added a dollar per bushel to the price of corn. Wow. So that's huge. I mean, you know, I know back in 22, the price of corn was a little higher yep, than it is yep. currently, but still it puts money in our pockets. So it's important for us to export corn and grain and grain form and ethanol, but also it's very important for us to have strong markets out there, foreign markets as uh, as well as domestic. But those foreign markets, because the world population lives outside the United States, we have to grow those markets to where, you know, our product, and I say our product, corn and beef, pork, whatever you want to put in there, has that home to go to and it lands on solid ground and good economies to where the, those people can afford it and to where we we all benefit from it well i think part of that conversation too i know we i think we were talking about this yesterday a little bit uh, on the consumer side at some of those foreign markets you know that's part of what usmef does is educating folks on you know, okay you're getting high quality corn fed u.s beef u.s pork etc that's important too to trying to get all these red meat exports into some of these, you know, Asian markets, African markets, Europe, Mexico, Canada, et cetera. Right, Troy? Yep. It's very important. And th and that's one of the things we see at the National Corn Growers. And for the last two years, I was uh, 
chairman of the market market development action team. And yep. you're going to be visiting with Denny Vinicotter from uh, Northwest Ohio. He's the current chair here in just a little bit. But so market development partners with organizations like USMEF, the United States Meat Export Federation. And in 2021, we partnered doing a study that the export volumes and the value of what corn and soybeans bring. And the bottom line is that those exports contribute 12% of the overall bushel value on the farm. And so, you know, it's especially when we look at our, our prices today, every mm -hmm. little bit counts. And so if our exports are down in beef, per, you know, beef or pork, it's going to come back and affect us when it, on the corn price. So we're all tied together. It's uh, very symbiotic and, you know, there's no silos left in this. We're all together in ag. And so we all count on each other and, you know, Denny's going to be talking about foreign market development, market access programs. And that is something that is very important to us where USMEF, US grains, they can't go in and lobby mm -hmm. for those funds. We can, and, you know, on, on NCGA's part, National Cattlemen's Beef part. And so that's where it's important for us to be able to go into Washington, D.C. and make sure there's good, sound policies. You know, we, we need more free trade agreements. We need to get sure. back on the ball on that and, and get uh, Trade Promotion Authority back in action and get this thing moving in the right direction. I'm glad you brought that up because obviously, you know, you had time as the MDAT chairman, like you mentioned, you're now transitioning to a court board member, you know, thinking about free trade agreements. I know that's something that for a lot of our farmers and ranchers, we're sitting here wondering what, what are we doing? When, I mean, the last time we had a free trade agreement, a new one, it's been quite a few years. I don't, I can't think of the exact number off the top of my head, Troy, but I know that's a, that's yeah. a concern in rural America. You know, uh, NAFTA, USMCA, USMCA yeah. that was yeah. ratified. That was ratified, but it wasn't totally new. I, I think you'd have to go back and you know years? somebody's. Got, yeah. I, it's it's been a couple administrations ago. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's been a while. And and so thinking about that, and thinking about some of the the advocacy and the lobbying that you guys can do. I mean, we know there's opportunity out there, and that opportunity exists. I think about some of the. Asian markets, Africa, et cetera. And to your point, you know, world's population, the majority of it is outside of the U.S. So it's one of those things where we look at free trade agreements. Well, you know, what's it going to take? I, I wonder, and I'm kind of I'm kind of hypothesizing here, here a little bit, Troy, but I mean, what's it going to take? I think it's going to take us visiting as members of National Corn Growers Association, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, just mm -hmm. rural America, talking to our politicians back in Washington, D.C., and expressing, and not just, I mean, and the the, the the directors, the people that work at USDA, sure, the importance of, talk to your state um, ag commissioners, get them, that you know, have them work through their organizations to put pressure on Washington, D.C. to say, hey, we need these tr free trade agreements. We need to be moving in the right direction. We pulled out of a few here lately over the last administration or two. We need to be back in the ball game on that. Mm -hmm. well, I, I know too. We think about it. I mean, think about the evolution of America's corn farmers. We just, you know, got done harvesting a record corn crop. So obviously, we're growing more and more corn. We have a lot of corn to offer. We're able to provide a lot of this corn to our 
beef and pork and etc you know our, our animal industry friends there's a lot of opportunity and there's going to be more because by the sound of it we're going to have more corn out there, oh, Troy. we're going to you know the, the american farmer that's one thing especially the corn farmer uh, we like to raise corn, and when people tell us we can't raise enough corn for to meet the demands of ethanol and sustainable aviation fuel, we'll meet that challenge. And we already, you know, we can do that. Mm -hmm. And we've proved that time and time again. And when it comes to, you know, back at NCGA, we had our uh, sustainability report done in 2020. We set our goals for 2030. We've reduced the amount of land it takes, the, the efficiency to raise a bushel of corn by 41%. You know, we've we've we can make more with less. And, you know, if we meet our 2030 goals, it's even going to be better. It'll be, you know, we'll have a 50 percent reduction in requirements over a 50 year period. The U.S. cattle producer, we're producing more pounds of beef with less animals, you know, more pounds per animal. And so, yeah, we have to fight. I mean, our our efficiencies are great. But we need to be that efficient on making sure we have those markets overseas open, you know, with foreign market development, market access programs. You know, if you have a 2% 2, 2 year, on, year on year yield increase, where are we going to be at? You know, mm -hmm. uh, today we were listening to Cattle Facts in the general session, you know, based in Cattle Facts, based there in uh, Centennial, Colorado with NCBA in that office. And, you know, they're talking, will we see, when will we see 180 bushel an acre? average you know where are we going to be at yeah and you know maybe we're going to be down in in corn bushels or corn acres this year but we're not looking at a reduction in bushels per se so we have to figure out how to move those bushels in whatever form we can and yep. i think one of the best forms is in the, the beef industry here i completely completely agree uh few final thoughts from you here before we run out of time in this segment. Uh, you know, I like to say the old adage, don't bury your head in the sand. If you got something you want to take to folks like you at the corn growers or folks at NCBA or et cetera, et cetera, make your voice heard. Yeah. Right. Be become a member. Uh, get active with the National Corn Growers, um, NCBA, your pork organizations put those people to work there there's good people in those organizations and to young people out there if you can't go back home and be on the farm in production agriculture think about a job with these organizations mm -hmm. good thoughts good thoughts troy schneider with national corn growers association always good to talk with you my got friend to talk to you hey before i get off the air i want to just wish my mother back in colorado a happy 82nd birthday happy birthday mom all right happy birthday indeed Troy Schneider, thanks for joining yeah. us. Appreciate it, my friend. Always a good time. All right, we'll be back here on AOA from the Cattle Industry Convention. We'll talk with USMEF Chair Randy Sprock. That's next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that 
medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. The grain and oil seeds are mixed this morning. Wheats are higher, soybeans and corn are lower. Livestock is mixed, but mostly higher as well. Now, the grain and oil seed prices, they immediately came under pressure following the release of this morning's job numbers as the dollar surged higher, along with Treasury yields on the expectation that the Federal Reserve would keep rates higher for longer to bring down inflation. That is reducing demand for U.S. commodities. Export demand for U.S. commodities is already soft, and today's surge in the dollar won't help matters at all. Furthermore, today's data reinforces the commodity deflation mantra that has been in place for nearly two years. Now, we can expect the sentiment to flip later in the year, but for now, it is well entrenched, with today's data supporting it as well. Nevertheless, though, wheat prices have so far maintained modest overnight gains on ideas that it is already cheap and that quality milling supplies are tightening. However, today it is all about jobs as traders digest the latest monthly jobs report from the Department of Labor. Considering how that might impact the Federal Reserve's confidence level in its current monetary policy, being able to get us down to that 2% inflation mandate, Treasury yields popped and stock futures dropped following that release this morning of the jobs report. That is reflecting a hot labor market that will make the Federal Reserve reluctant to cut interest rates anytime soon. Now, the economy created 353,000 non-farm payroll jobs in January, which is more than double the 170,000 anticipated by analysts. Furthermore, the December number was revised to 333,000 jobs created. That is up from 216,000 reported a month ago. The unemployment rate remained unchanged at 3.7%, disappointing analysts who were expecting it to take higher to 3.8%, while the job participation rate held unchanged at 62.5%, meaning that employers had to battle for workers to fill those positions, pushing wages higher. And crude oil prices are off more than 2% this morning. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Everyone has a community to lean on. A neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use, You've talked with your kids and shared clear expectations, but you're not with them every minute. Your community members, friends and relatives, teachers and coaches, faith leaders, and other important adults in your kids' lives can be your eyes, ears, and a supportive influence when you're not around, reinforcing your messages with your kids and alerting you to warning signs of underage drinking or other substance use. So talk with your kids about these issues and involve the members of your community to help keep your kids safe because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit talktheyhearyou.samsa.gov. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And we continue our live coverage here from the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in Orlando, Florida. Joining us now, he is the chair of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Randy Sprock from Minnesota. Randy, 
great to see you here. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for letting us set up here the USBF booth and uh, and talk about cattle, corn, meat exports, and more. So we appreciate it. Hey, good morning, Jesse. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, and we're glad to have you at our booth anytime. Well, let's dive in and talk about some issues here, Randy. And those first two segments of the show, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of the emerging markets that are out there. You know, we were talking the partnership between NCGA and USMEF and NCBA and USMEF and, and all the different segments here. But uh, let's talk some of those emerging markets. You know, I hear a lot about Asia, Latin America, some chatter about Africa. What are some of those markets out there that you're really excited about that USMEF is really excited about here in the year ahead? You know, let's really think about where we've come from. You know, USMEF was originally formed back in 1976. You got to realize that, uh, in, in, you know, so look back to know where we can look forward. And so we're looking at those markets that we currently have in the beef products here, be from Japan to Korea, you know, very solid markets, China, they're the top three. But, you know, also realize we talk about the three Ds, demand, but also how do we differentiate and how do we diversify? And I think that's been one of the key things that we really wanted to talk about is how do we create additional markets for those products that actually can bring more value back to U.S. agriculture? And so, you know, I think one of them that's been mentioned here is Southeast Asia. I mean, Indonesia, sure. Malaysia, you know, it's countries that got very high population incomes are coming up here. And so I think that's very important. You start looking at Latin America again here. We all know uh, how important Mexico has been to exports to uh, U.S red meats but when you look at you know colombia peru all those south american central american latin american countries they've got a lot of opportunity here to grow and all rolled up they could be another mexico and i think the one that from the b side especially when you start looking at africa when you start looking at a land mass that's three times the united states and actually have the ability then and for some products that we don't eat domestically here that's where we're creating another mm -hmm. uh, uh, market for those variety meats and that's a great point you brought that up because I know I've talked about that before uh, with you know with Dan Hallstrom from USMEF and, and other folks with you guys uh, so that, that a lot of these countries that opportunity is there because some of those cuts we don't eat here in the U.S. Well, it's kind of the, the, the double combination. They're economical cuts here. So yeah. you're actually a, a very economical form of protein that they can actually utilize. In addition to there, then, they're, they're, uh, it's products that we don't typically have here, and they're going to be in rendered or in some other where we can add value to that carcass and that uh, drop credit that's coming back to the United States. Definitely, definitely. Now, I, I think about some of those markets you mentioned and all the opportunity that is out there. We know there are some barriers as well. Let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, in your eyes, what is what are some of the biggest current barriers to market access right now, Randy? I'll give you a little uh, 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 a background on what I've done. Uh, my first international trip was back in 1998 uh, with Governor Jesse Ventura. I was a state uh, okay. trip. We actually traveled to Tokyo, was in the offices of USMEF back in 1998. I hate to date myself, but that's 25 years ago already. And so you stop and think about that time frame, 1998. We only had one market. It was Japan. And so, but we just didn't get that overnight. I mean, it's like building blocks where you layer by layer we're standing on the shoulders of you know leadership in the organizations that have come before us here it's the same thing here that we need to do with these emerging markets and i think the very first step is it, it's really about you know the policy side here we need to lower tariffs and non-tariff trade barriers american agriculture is so competitive so productive if we have a level playing field we will gain market share and so it really goes back to our congress we haven't had a free trade agreement you know for uh, two decades here you know uh, uh our 
last one that we had negotiated was TPP. We were withdrawn from that one here. You know, there's some countries right now here, Vietnam and the Philippines, that could be great markets for us. You compare Vietnam up against Korea here, you know, uh, uh, from a population standpoint, from, you know, how, how should I say, from a dietary standpoint, could be, but we are at a disadvantage to our other competitors where they have lower tariffs, lower tariff trade barriers, so it makes it un realistic for us to capture market share there. So we really need to go to Washington, D.C. and really focus on how important trade is to agriculture in the United States. Well, and I know trade deals are complex. It's not an overnight process, but it's something that, to your point, shouldn't take a decade for us to get a new trade deal. It Randy. appears we're not even attempting here at this point here. And, and there again, but our competitors, and that's what you realize when you go into these markets, there's always somebody there trying to sell their product into that market too. Yeah. And, and you know, tariffs can make a huge impact when it comes down to the financial side of it here and if we don't rate you know reduce those tariffs and we're in an economical position from another competitor that's trying to export we're at a disadvantage i know there's always a lot of talk about china and the u.s relationship uh, your thoughts on on that relationship and some of the imports that china gets from the u.s here currently you know i think from from all species it's really the variety of meats that go in here and quite quite frankly right now here you know we all need them and so i think we're taking the opportunity to capture that market share that we can here but we're also very cautious and there again uh differentiation diversification in other words really trying to diversify can we uh you know have these products uh, uh inform another market for them so we have an alternative in case something does happen Talk about the importance of things like MAP and FMD. I know we re recently had that the RAP program announced here sure. late last year. You know, these are all important programs that deal with trade and market access and funding and more. I mean, and talk about how important those programs you are. Know, so let's start with the basics here. What is USMEF? In other words, really when it comes down to it, it's nine sectors that come together to promote uh, red meats internationally. The basis is obviously the, t the, the uh, red meat checkoffs, pork and beef here. But, you know, we're very thankful for the corn and soybean checkoffs here. So you take those together here, pool them together. We actually then uh, apply for MAP funding, market access uh, program through the USDA plus foreign market development program it's roughly a one-to-one a, a -one, you know advantage to us here so mm -hmm. you know we can roll those checkoff funds up here which are our basis here uh, nine million eight to nine million from the beef checkoff you know another uh, seven to eight million from the pork checkoff adding in the corn and the soybean checkoffs you know we pool together a fund of over 50 million dollars that we can utilize to be able to you know promote these products and market these products in these foreign countries which is very important i think that's the key thing we all benefit from that checkoff funds that are utilized then to move this red meat into international uh, markets because it's bringing more value back to each and every one of those farmers i know map and fmd have been around for a while and folks have talked about trying to increase funding there but then we got the wrap programs yep. i mentioned talk about the you know, the importance of adding that program as well to this whole kind of pool you know it's classic they use acronyms so first of all what's the <laughs> what's the acronym stand for you know uh uh rural um regional regional yeah you know and so uh uh 300 million dollars uh we're just going through the process here of applying for those funds we think it really fits well with usmef because it's right in our bucket they're talking about those uh, uh emerging markets they've really kind of yeah. closed the bucket a little bit here you're not going to use it for japan or china here but it you know there again southeast asia the latin america and africa you know we're there already
here. We've got boots on the ground here. And I think that's one of the biggest thing everybody understand. This isn't just somebody from the United States going over trying to sell. We have in-country staff and 19 regions throughout the world here. We're already in those emerging markets here. We've got boots on the ground here. And so you just, there again, when I started to talk about laying the foundation here, that's what we're really doing in these emerging markets. We're laying the markets here, making sure the cold chain's there, making sure that we can have our products come in. And then literally talking about, okay, what are our barriers? And, and that's to reduce those barriers mm -hmm. so that we can have more access. You talked about this uh, a little bit ago, and I want to kind of wrap up our discussion with this because I think advocacy is so important here. You know, trying to get new trade agreements, making your voice heard. You know, what can folks do to, you know, in rural America to help, you know, folks going to Washington, D.C., our friends with the corn growers and NCBA, sure. et cetera? I mean, what would you say to them to, to get their voices heard and the things that they want to see happen? in dc in terms of you know creating these new free trade agreements and much more what would you sure. say to folks you know it's one of those things we are a democracy and that's why we have legislators that's why we elect uh, uh, senators and representatives and i think it, it just behooves everybody in agriculture to know the process you need to talk to your senators and legislators and also those producers that are taking the time to go to washington dc you know it's they, they need funding they need the time away from the farm i'm lucky enough i've got uh, my son back home here and so you just got to encourage those producers to stay active because if we're not there. We're not giving our voice. Some, they're hearing somebody else's voice. And I think we really need to advocate uh, uh, for trade agreements, uh, you know, and how valuable, how important those are to us as we go forward here. I'm at the end of my career here. Uh, uh, going to turn 65 this year. And so they, they say mandatory retirement at 65 when you're a farmer. <laughs> I don't quite believe that one yet here. But there again, we want to make sure there's opportunities for the next generations. Yeah. And so I benefited from that producer leadership back in the 1990s that did some of these initial free trade agreements, these trips to Japan, formed USMEF. I think it behooves us here as producers today here to lay more foundations, to lay more framework for the next generation that come here. And that means advocating for U.S. products that can be exported to other countries. Final thoughts. Got about a minute here, Randy. Anything uh, anything final you'd want to say or reiterate to folks when they're thinking about all the work you guys are doing with the U.S. Meat Export Federation right now? You know, it's just great. Uh, you know, just came out of uh, the Cattle Facts uh, uh, presentation here. And really, there is optimism here as we talk about what we do and the quality of the products that we have here. I think we need to just, you know, keep verbalizing that listening to the consumer, understanding what they want, and let's deliver that product to them for in a profitable method. Definitely. And uh, you know what? Hey, find some good quality beef or pork, uh, red meat, and uh, and throw it on the plate, right? Without a doubt. Uh, uh, that's one of my passions of mine is smoking and, and barbecuing, <laughs> and it's a great way to entertain friends and family. I should ask you real quick, the farm back in Minnesota, how were things this fall? Actually, uh, I was in a little bit of a drought area way in the southwestern corner. Uh, uh, we actually were off, I'd say, uh, lowest yield in the last 10 years here, uh, but a very small pocket in the area here. I'm In my operation, we have our own feed mill, so we buy a lot of corn in here. And so uh, it's good for the corn producers that are around me because we've got a narrower basis than what we typically have here. we got to stop that corn from moving you know, out of the area here. And so uh, um, we're looking forward to, uh, uh, as they talked about here and the, the forecast here, that we have a little moisture this spring here to get the crop started off in 2024. And that's what we're hoping for as well. With that, the chair of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Randy Spronk. Randy, thank Thanks for joining us on AOA. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. Have a good day. All right. Coming up next, we are going to talk to Denny Vita Connor with the NCGA, their market development action team chair. We'll be back to wrap up here from CattleCon on the way right after this on AOA.
Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind. Like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh-oh. Or that time you forgot to roll up your windows in the car wash. Fantastic. Yeah, a remote control would have come in handy then. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Life doesn't come with a remote control. So you're on your own with the wasps. You have the power to take control of pre-diabetes. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. Stargard disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Loss of sight won't blind our vision. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Learn more at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today, Justin Fries, a soybean trading expert with CHS, will provide a 2024 soybean demand outlook. Justin, U.S. soybean stocks have remained steady for several years while world stocks have increased. Do you anticipate that this trend will continue? Yes, I anticipate this trend to continue. So what we're dealing with in the soybean market here right now is massive and growing stocks here in the world. So when you look at like South America and you look at Argentina and Brazil together, they are said to harvest a crop here nearly 1 billion bushels more than one year ago. Argentina is coming off a historic drought. Their crop is expected to be about twice the size of last year. And Brazil will be harvesting a crop that's nearly a record. So when you combine those two, that billion bushels is just simply outpacing the demand in the world. Well, Brazil's share of global soybean exports is widening over the U.S. What does this mean for U.S. farmers? Just increased competition from Brazil, which has led to a decline in exports out of the U.S. over the course of the past four years. But here, the exciting piece and what that means for farmers is in the U.S., our U.S. processors are really expanding our crushing plants here in the United States, and we are growing to meet a surging renewable diesel demand here in the United States. So over the course of the next few years here, what we're losing in the export channel, we should be gaining that demand here home in the U.S. What should growers be watching as they make their soybean marketing plans for 2024? So South America is set to harvest their crop here. Brazil is just starting and that is going to pick up here big time. So what the market is trying to really determine here is how big is that crop? There were some key states in Brazil that were dealing with some drier temps early in their growing season. And now over the course of the past 30 days here, those regions did give moisture. And we have seen the, you know, the futures market and the price drop drastically from that. Again, that's Justin Fries from CHS joining us on Around the Table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com.
Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, as we are wrapping up our program today with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association at the U.S. Meat Export Federation booth on the trade show floor of the Cattle Industry Convention. I know it's a mouthful, but uh, really great partners here, having a, a lot of fun this week in Orlando, Florida, and talking cattle and corn and the relationship between NCGA and the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Joining us now to wrap up the program, he is the chair of the Market Development Action Team with the National Corn Growers Association. Denny Vinacotter is with us here today. Denny, it's good to see you. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's good. Good, good. Nice being down in Florida, a little warmer than back home, but yeah. yeah. And nice to have the conversations too. And see everyone working around the trade show floor. I know that's always a that's a highlight for me during these conventions, isn't it, Dan? Yep, yep. Nice to you know everybody. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, let's talk. Let's let's talk about the market development action team. I know you guys are always working to build new partnerships and strengthen the existing ones you guys already have. Talk about some of the things you are working on right now with MDAT uh, that that folks need to know about. Well, yeah, that that's our goal. Like you say, strengthening on partnerships and and uh, and recently we we uh, we partnered with U.S. Meat and Export Federation on a on a, a video talking about sustainability of, of the land, the livestock, and that. And uh, it's a pretty cool video on that. And uh, you know, we did it because like their customers abroad are asking for things like this and that. And, and it was a good way to uh, get our message out there about what we're doing here in the States and, and stuff like that. So yeah, pretty mm -hmm. cool video. Yeah. And Beyond Borders, I believe is what the video is called, right? Yep. 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 And Beyond Board. Yeah. Beyond Borders and uh, USMEF's website has that video posted, correct? Yep. And, and I think it's on our website too uh, at NCGA. Uh, you know, you can... I know, I know it's not on the website. It was on like News of the Week or whatever, okay. but you yeah. can find it there. Yeah, but, it's but pretty cool. Really, really good stuff. You know, looking at that and thinking about sustainability and more and the sustainable, you know, aspects of the partnership between cattle and corn. That's just one of many that I know you guys are working on at the Corn Growers Association. Yep. Uh, talk talk about some of that. Uh, let's let's stick with USMEF though, and, and talk about some of that partnership. Uh, in terms of just how the two organizations work together again, I mean, we've hit on that a little bit, Denny, but it, it's it's so important, especially from the you know the sustainability aspect and things like that. 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 a way for the corn growers and that to sell sell our product. We'll take that corn abroad on the hoof, and uh, and it, and it's just a way to uh, you know, it's a good relationship that we have. You know, they they they're in them other countries doing their thing, trying to get get the U.S. meat and that to them customers and that and uh, and it's just a good relationship we have with them i know too uh, ncga and the market development action team you guys worked with usmef and worked with ncba the national cattlemen's beef association yep. uh, on a recent cattleman to cattleman episode kind of looking at some of that movement of corn uh, through the lock and dam system on the mississippi down to the port of new orleans etc talk about that a little bit yeah it was kind of like to show it almost from the farm to the market abroad you know where it come all the way from this, this person's farm got got harvested and and uh, put it on put it on the river and showed just how it is from all the way from the farm all the way to the to the export channels of uh, America and uh, you know a little bit even the beyond borders almost took it before that it almost takes it from like the seed we plant to the feed they they feed their animals and 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 from their point on so good story another thing too I found this interesting I was looking at my notes a little bit uh MDAT you guys have approved some funding for new virtual reality headsets that USMEF uses at marketing events to, to show potential export buyers and et cetera, et cetera, how we produce our beef and pork here domestically. And I think something like that is just fascinating to me. Dan. Well, yeah, it's it's almost like they could be on your farm. You know, you put yeah. these headsets on, it's a virtual thing. It's like almost like, you know, they come to your farm take a video on that and it's almost like you're standing at that farm in america or, or livestock and it, it you know good way to uh get that person out there that really wouldn't ever have a chance to see something like that and yeah it's kind of a you know easy easy way to get them there and uh <laughs> besides having them put some it's kind of hard to travel sometimes from far away to America and, get, and get out there and yeah. Nap. So good way to show them that what what we're doing out on the farm and that stuff like that. Well, as your role here as the chairman of the market development action team, you know, looking forward through this year ahead, those are just some of the highlights, some of the recent things you guys done. What are some of the other things? What are your goals as as the MDAT chairman here? You know, in the next uh, next year ahead, Denny. Well, you know, we got we got a big pile of corn. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're always searching for that next thing. Uh, sustainable aviation fuel is out there that we're working on. Uh, we're doing some bio-based products. And actually, you know, we, we was at the trade show, and they got corn, or, uh, glasses, if you've seen them. They're the eco glasses that are made from, from uh, mm -hmm. corn, uh, bio, biodegradable plastic from corn and that. So wow. Okay. If, if, if you catch it. They was they was around the trade show and that we, <laughs> you know we seen it because we recognized the label on it and that sure it sure. was kind of cool but yeah it's like trying to find them new little things you know that are out there and sustainable aviation fuel is the next yeah. next big user of corn we hoping uh, but, but all these different things you guys are working on it speaks to it helps with the economic sustainability of the uh, corn yeah. industry right yep yep you know there there's a three-legged stool it's economical it's social and it's environmental you know yeah. and uh we got to bring all them things home and, and and work on them and uh you know 
another way to find out what we're up to yeah. is, you know, you go to the NCGA website and there is actually a place you can sign up for a weekly newsletter. And, and it's kind of cool. You see once what our team's up to, maybe another team in that, but you just get little things once a week and it's kind of cool you yeah. know you find out them little stories what we've been up to very important things for sure ncga.com is where you can sign up for that newsletter and get more information denny we're out of time thanks for joining us today I appreciate All right. it thanks jesse denny vita connor with ncga thanks to our friends with the corn growers as well as the u.s meat export federation we're out of time here on aoa from the cattle industry convention and ncga trade show in orlando florida i'm jesse allen thanks for listening to aoa have a great rest of your day Heading to NCBA's Cattle Convention on Friday, February 2nd. Stop by USMEF booth 1807 with me, Jesse Allen. We'll be broadcasting AOA Live with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association and the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stop by from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern to learn how these organizations work together to competitively position American product as the sustainable, high-quality, premier product of choice. And don't forget to join NCGA on Thursday at 2.30 for their Learning Lounge. We'll see you in Orlando. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button, or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments. And ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. The V Foundation has the skill, the speed, and the strength to achieve victory over cancer. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Learn more at V.org. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. 